Hello, everyone, and welcome to Movie Club. I'm Davinia. I'm Kyle. And I'm Miro. And today we're talking about A Scanner Darkly. I reach your link later. I hope I pronounced that director's yeah. name properly. It released in 2006, and it has a great cast, including Kenny Reeves, Winona Ryder, Robert Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson, and so on. There's a lot of good guys in there. For Harrelson. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> I can't pronounce names. So, sorry, everyone. Basically, an undercover cop in a not-too-distant future who becomes involved with a very dangerous new drug and begins to lose his own identity as a result. How about that? I am not surprised that he lost his identity because they have these camouflage suits that completely distort your visage. And it's it was very interesting to watch mm. because they always change, not as a whole, but parts of them change yeah. into somebody else constantly. The facial, for example, stuff is broken into parts like one eye, the other eye, the nose and the mouth. All of that is like changing constantly it's one of the sci-fi elements of the film right yeah they have this technology where they wear these i think they call them scramble suits Mm -hmm. yeah if you're wearing this suit you can't be like identified by any kind of surveillance cameras or Mm -hmm. and even voices distort yeah voices yes yeah and the body as well does the same but like the facial thing is what's more interesting i think they mention parts of men women and even children in there so yeah, mm-hmm. it's really hard to detect what's going on, really. And that introduced a very interesting hidden twists and turns, and turns. in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all the cops wear the suits, so the cops don't know who each other are, really. Mm-hmm. I don't think, not all of them, just like these special agents. I saw yeah. when yeah, they yeah, were yeah. shooting well, in the police station, there were some mm-hmm. without it, but these kind of investigative people yeah. wear them. And there's even a scene where they mention like only the top, top people know who each agent is. The ones working with each other don't know who their identities are. And so essentially the main character is told to observe himself, (laughs) but no one knows who he is. So they're just telling him to observe this guy, which they admit might be him, Mm -hmm. but because they can't know his identity because he's undercover and they are as well, he has to just go about it as if. Like, it's someone else. Someone else at the top definitely knew. It would eventually come to them. If he was going to arrest himself for something he was doing right. undercover. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah. like, so that so that there's this anonymity. They become suspicious of Robert Archer, the main character. Mm-hmm. And as a cop, his other half, he's told to watch and observe himself for criminal activity. And so he has to watch mm-hmm. these kind of endless videos of himself from the recordings being taken in their home. And not just himself, it was yeah, also his, his friends. Uh, yeah. group of friends. And he was watching them because they were suspected of manufacturing, I think, or just yeah. a big distribution of I think this substance D. Yeah. yeah. I, but I think like the actual goal wasn't to just find these people because obviously they have them there, but whoever's at the top of what they're doing. They may be manufacturing, but they know there's got to be like a head or something like that. In this world, there's a drug called Substance D that I think they said 20% of the population is addicted to. Ostensibly, the police department is trying to locate the source of Substance D. Yeah, or like the major our, source. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, our main character, Keanu Reeves, the internet's boyfriend, 
who played Bob Arctor and also this undercover cop, <laughs> also got addicted to it. Yeah, yeah really <laughs> badly. Yeah. Some of the effects of that drug is losing your memory, mm-hmm. your conflicting ideas. Cognitive abilities. And the point was that the long-term usage separates the hemispheres. I think they discussed it. Mm-hmm. That then the hemispheres fight each other and that causes all yeah. that mayhem in mm-hmm. your brain. Even like speech impairments and stuff like that. All kinds of stuff. Bad stuff. What do you guys think of that animation of this form? I actually think that it's perfect for it, especially the suit. When you see it animated and how it constantly changes, I think it's so perfect. It's rotoscoped, right? I heard that they shot it normally and then feed it through some program and it does this cartoon visage. I like it because I think it's there's something off-putting about it to me. It doesn't look quite right ever, where if it was done in like traditional animation, it wouldn't have that same kind of uncanny valley type quality to it. I like it, but I don't like that kind of animation in general. But here it fits for you. Yeah, it works here Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Hard animation to watch for a long period of time, I would say. Me even being a big fan of animation. It feels wrong. It feels Mm -hmm. almost like a computer did it or something like it. Something's wrong, which goes along with the kind of themes and paranoia of the film. It also, you know, it could be a comic. Yeah, it yeah, has it does, that feel it, yeah, to it, it does too. have kind of a comic vibe to it, too. And the colors as yeah. well are kind of interesting yeah. and vibrant. The main story feels uh, drug-like with this animation is basically the main point, right? Made by Philip K. Dick. Yeah. He wrote a novel, Scanner Darkly, and mm-hmm. it mirrors his life because he had drug problems and basically tells his story with, of course, not word for word, but we saw group of friends. Our first introduction was to Charles Freck, an addict, right? He had this kind of hallucination of bugs coming out mm-hmm. of him. And the rest of them, rest of the friend group, James Barris, who was played by Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And Ernie, who was played by Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Harrelson, no, I think. Is yeah. that correct, Kyle? <laughs> it is hard to say, sure. Harrelson. They kind of renounce him. They don't want to be near him. Mm-hmm. But they are also on the path to be him, right? Because he's already kind mm-hmm. of further down the path of addiction. And they are also using, and they have their own tics, and they're going there. And he described that this was also his experience, like his friends behaved like that. And later in the movie, we, we find out, of course, that Bob Arctor, played by Keanu Reeves, is also addicted. And when he arches his addiction, total top, he is sent to this institution. What was it called? <laughs> Uh, this institution, um, what was it called? Something New Path. path yes. New Path. New Path. And he also went to this sect that <laughs> was meant to, <laughs> meant to cure him. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of real life events retold into a movie. Philip K. Dick's a great author. He's written the short stories that were the basis for so many movies like Total mm-hmm. Recall, Minority Report. I think we have an emerging pattern here. We already had some person on drugs writing a wonderful script. <laughs> So, <laughs> true. What, what is it here? Uh, yeah, Philip K. Dick was great. He often incorporated parts of his life, and he was also schizophrenic, mm. and believed that a pink laser shot from space into his head and gave him like knowledge of the universe and things. He was convinced that like the government was spying on him and tapping his house. That paranoia was reflected in James Barry's character by Robert Downey Jr. He was slightly paranoid. And I loved the Ernie, that character played by Woody Harrelson. He's so funny. Always he plays these crazy people, right? And he always translated into his roles. And he read here, of course, 
<laughs> so same same Woody Harrelson I remember from everywhere. I know at the time Robert Downey Jr. was like a complete washed up actor when this movie came he out. He was, yeah. Uh, Robert's reemergence was with Iron Man, I think. He did other films, but that was his big comeback. That made him a superstar. It was like drug and alcohol reasons mostly that he fell out of Hollywood because he used to be yeah. a big star and then before Iron Man for a long, maybe 10 or more years there was almost a joke and like nobody. Well, he came back. Do you know what he did here? He wrote uh, his lines on the post-it notes and put them all around the set and read from them. And then <laughs> mm, they just animated over them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh. Fair enough. I don't know. <laughs> um, I thought the one thing that they need to do is learn their lines, but obviously not. Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> but maybe it did give it something by doing that. Maybe it wasn't just laziness. Uh, maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's the implication that it he couldn't learn them or wouldn't or purposely didn't want to know what he was going to say right before he said it like for the character know. you know because that's kind of how the character is too talks a mile a minute just saying mm -hmm. stuff that's endless true. talking and thoughts like just thoughts 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 random yeah, yeah. he was also very manipulative like mm -hmm. that character of his group well yeah because basically the whole plot kind of kicks off because he wants to be like an informer to the police but yeah he's basically implicating bob archer in all these crimes and trying to get him investigated but he's like saying it to bob archer and bob archer's boss in the scramble suit he's snitching to the guy that he's snitching on and that kicks off the whole thing like we need to investigate archer and stuff of course later we find out that like archer has been a tool the whole time of the police and really that it was barris all along who they were actually trying to get closer to because he has like higher up drug connections than archer and there's another further reason say it we don't uh, well, shy away yeah, from spoilers I guess, yeah. here. We might as well get the whole story out, and then we can just go into it. Keanu Reeves has full like hemisphere split in his brain and badly suffering the effects of substance D. So he gets sent to New Path, which is where they kind of, quote-unquote, cure people who have substance D, like a rehab place that you hear Sect. about throughout the film. Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely like very cult-like once you see it. The whole time you just hear about, oh, go to New Path, like they'll set you straight or whatever. And ultimately, what we find out that New Path itself is growing and supplying the substance D and while still also providing the cure for it, which essentially turns them into like mindless farm workers, the people who go there in like a cult. New Path itself is the whole cycle and they're the ones making it, selling it and curing it. Which, of course, is an analogy for a lot of things, I'm sure, to everyone and Philip K. Dick, to like the, what goes on in life and how we're used as people and consumers and stuff. Kind of depressive. Because we also find out that his boss was his girlfriend the whole time. Hank actually turns out to be his girlfriend in his undercover life. His boss was undercover as well. And she was investigating him too, but really they were using him. That's what's depressing about it. Cause you find out that even the police used him, knew he would get addicted to substance D and end up at new path because they're not able to get anyone in there to investigate new path. So they're hoping when he's in there that his kind of detective instincts will kick in and he'll somehow put the pieces together that they're making it, which is what the and, police suspect. Yeah. And he did at the end, we see that he did find the fields of blue flower, which is basis for the substance d and yeah. it, we can see that he hid some in his sock and this and I, I think it was the instinct of the detective kicking in it's a little open-ended because he says like a gift for my friends at thanksgiving or something like that and so it's this really sweet sentiment of how he's been broken down into a child but i see it as hopeful one way or another at least there's mm -hmm. some kind of like pure something there hope 
but it was depicted the very deep surveillance state we see it in some of the scenes that they have total surveillance he's making call to someone well to his girlfriend and we see them i immediately identify who it is who is he calling and they can immediately make a rest if they want yeah it's kind like, of what we are heading right now. I feel like the end and all the emotion they're trying to get out of the end hasn't totally been earned in the film. I don't know if you guys know what I mean. It just always feels like there's something. It's not a, I don't think it's like a really great film. It's a good film. It has a weird shift near the end where they're trying to get all this emotion out of you. And, and, and you do. But I also feel like there's something hollow about the film and we don't know the characters enough or something or see enough of Bob Archer's descent. I share that feeling as well. I mean, I know it's like an hour and 40 minutes long, but it always feels like it was like an hour or something like that. I'm still missing some chunk of it that I haven't seen. I enjoyed the the length. It was not too long, not too short. It's more of a feeling because (laughs) again, it's not about the length itself. It's more about what we have seen to that point. And I don't feel really that emotionally attached to Bob Archer until they really want me to be. And then, yeah, with the music, and Sadly, it's like sad yes. that he's like yeah. lobotomized or whatever. But because they, you want to have this ambiguity throughout the whole beginning of the film about every character, pretty much, mm-hmm. and reality itself, which is like Philip K. Dick classic. Like, you don't know what's <laughs> real or what. I feel like I just want to be with the characters more and know more about Bob before. I have to be sad for him. I would say it's a nice portrayal of drug abuse and... Well, what does Substance D even do? Like, they take all these pills and then I never see any difference. Doesn't matter. The drug is irrelevant. They're just addicted to it. And that's no, I'm the not point. sure. I think I might be onto something there. What if it doesn't even do anything except destroy your brain? Because they just take it. They do make an effort to say in one scene that they just developed a lot of resistance to it. Yeah. Because of their overuse of it. I think it's more about the addiction itself. I agree there with Miro. At some point, They're so resistant to it that it doesn't really do that much for them, but they still have the necessity of taking it. Okay, okay. So they're just like purely addicts, but that's yeah, that's what I saw. And they're not getting anything from it anymore because Bob's popping three at a time at work. It's the type of movie where you feel like there's going to be more stuff like the bugs in the beginning. It seems like that kind of movie where everything's going to be some kind of weird drug scene. Only the stuff with Freck, there's any real hallucinations and stuff. Well, Bob does see people as bugs once. So he is becoming, yeah, so it's right before he's like Freck himself. As I said, yeah, they are just yeah. on the way and not completely out of it. Just as I know, it's just, was. well, I guess my point was like, you think there's going to be more of that in the film and there's really not. And there's just like a handful of scenes of them kind of all having these funny, quirky drug, like exp- not that we're hallucinating with them or something like a lot of films would do. If anything, I think we share more on their side effects, their paranoia. Most of the time. We're kind of like observing them in a sense because we're not really seeing it from their perspective very much. So we're like Bob where we're witnessing the events that he would be like watching anyway. And they're just quirky little episodes that happen. But I'm just not sure they add up to a whole lot more before they try to wring out all the emotion at the end. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's much lighter than other drug films I've seen. Other ones just went for your feelings immediately and cut you down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this right one was away, just much... Not much lighter. I didn't feel their lives are immediately destroyed by the drug. Of course, we've seen the future. But like by the end, it's super heavy. 
right? Yeah, yeah but it, it is pretty heavy, yeah. But maybe that's supposed to mimic the kind of crash of, oh, it doesn't seem that bad, and then it's really bad. Exactly, yeah. And that it switches very quickly. I have to agree there with Mira too, because throughout the entire movie, you're laughing at the entire thing half the time. When they're mm -hmm. having the discussion about the car, when they think they've put drugs in their walls, all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff is funny. Even when Woody, how's his character called? Ernie. Woody's character, er Ernie. He eats something. And can like he's about to die or some or something. Oh, he's like choking on yeah. choking. It's That's TV dinner. It was kind of funny, but then he turns real serious real quick. I guess that might have been the intention, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, drugs, they're fun, whatever, you know, kind of kind of deal. And then he's like, no, but he turns real serious. I still feel like there's something missing there a yeah. little bit, a little bit, and that I think it could have been handled in the hour and forty minutes. Oh uh, yeah, it's an odd one, but I enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I felt engaged. As Stephanie Definitely. said, you, en you enjoyed the jokes with them, and Definitely. then suddenly you would be slapped with the seriousness of the situation. That's another thing about Philip K. Dick. He wrote very readable science fiction, kind of pulpy it's stuff. It's not easy. No, they're very fun stories to read with really good and odd plot devices. His girlfriend that was later revealed was actually Hank. Also was schizophrenic, right? Because oh, she definitely. was sending mm -hmm. him to a very depressing situation, and mm -hmm. yet she seemed to uh, care about him. All the dialogues yeah. that we have, when you see it in retrospect that, oh, it, she's actually Hank. She kind of cared about him. And yet, she did what did she did. Anyway. You know, they did anyway. I don't know, maybe a dedicated police officer or a sociopath. Well, or, no, like, psychopath, because she would have to pretend, you know. So. Right. Of course, her superior says it's for the greater good. Oh, um, oh right. It may be. Like, I mean, if he does lead to them figuring out who but, you know, probably the government will just take over operations for them or something. So it's not a bright, optimistic world in that sense. People are just being used and their lives are being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Kind of depressing, but kind of funny as well. <laughs> Definitely it's something to refresh your movie repertoire. And I just love that idea of investigating yourself. A crazy idea to get your head around. All right, then. So let's approach... The right. Venus judgment on this. Yeah. Pretty similar rating as the previous one. It's a seven. Oh. I do enjoy the movie a lot. Mostly, again, because I just love animation. So I pretty much have to watch everything hmm. animation-wise. For a drug movie, it's pretty different tone than most. And the animation style is just great. Definitely worth a watch for everyone out there. I was surprised how... Well, not how much I liked it, but how good it was. <laughs> as Davinia said, we are in agreement that this would be a 7 out of 10 for me as wow. well. Wow. Okay. Yes. An animation, nice. finally, Davinia, that you picked that I liked as well. There we go. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap for me. Because it's essentially just drawn over real people. I definitely <laughs> recommend to listeners to watch this if they are mm -hmm. interested in drug life. <laughs> not to live it but to avoid it we've talked about drugs a lot but it also is applicable or it's like metaphorical any a lot of things in life and being yeah. um i also give it a seven no We're way in agreement wow here. triple yeah. seven well so it's, it's good it's you know this means a lot to movie club because that means it's really good <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, not a, a star but hey seven out of ten out of, from all three of us for all kinds of viewers, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's know? definitely a very, yeah. very flat movie for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's definitely worth checking out. Check, check it out. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that was it. You just heard our review of the movie A Scanner Darkly. Our average rating for this movie is 7 out of 10. Did you like the style? 
and the story, tell us on the Twitter at movieclub underscore pod. We would be happy if you would rate us as well on your favorite podcast platform where you can also find more movie reviews by Movie Club. You can join Movie Club and support us by visiting our Patreon page and subscribing to one of our membership tiers. The link will be in the description of this episode. Next week, we'll be talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't forget to check it out. Bye for now.